you for listening to this message from the Northgate. With that being said, one of the things that I met with the men here on Tuesday night, and I said, as we create a culture for the next generation, and we create a culture of long path and legacy inside of the kingdom, I have to call the adults to a place of leading. And what I don't want this house to ever be is dependent upon me and my wife or dependent upon the senior leadership when it comes to leading in what area? Hosting the presence of God. When it comes to prayer meetings, I want every adult to raise their hand, take responsibility and say, we are never gonna let the fire on the altar of this house go out. And when we are called to go to be in glory and we are called to be with our King and leave this life and go be with him for eternity, I want to be able to pass the baton to the next generations that they understand that we will never let the fire on our altar go out. And one of the things that I want to um, begin to, I was going to do almost an illustrated sermon here tonight, that understanding when we begin to receive the love of God, once we receive the love of God, we have to begin to allow that love to go out. We we cannot keep that love for ourselves. And so there's an independence that we are struggling with in the American church that we have made the prosperity gospel of Jesus Christ all about you and not about us as a whole. And we're going to have to get back to understanding the us side of Christianity. And when I say us, I'm not talking about us as the North Gate. I'm talking about us as the church, as the ecclesia, as the kingdom family of Almighty God. And a lot of times we'll jump the gun. Preachers, pastors, we jump the gun in doing something. You'll hear a phrase that you've heard many times called unity in the community. And we'll try to get every church together, which has never worked. Has never worked because what we'll do as pastors is we'll get a bunch of pastors in the room who secretly actually have agendas. And we do something saying we need to have unity in our city with the leaders. And what we're missing is if we don't have unity with inside of our own families first, why would I ever want to begin to then connect with another body and then begin to infect each other with our own divisions, our own problems, that literally the secret part of unity and community is maybe they'll leave your church and come to mine. And if we would ever get over ourselves is an independent state We could fall in love with ourselves to such a degree that in John 17, when Jesus said, I pray that you become one as me and the Father are one. And I think the answer for all humanity in a mass revival is going to be when we can begin to love each other to a degree that our Christianity does not become independently about me getting to heaven, me having my breakthrough, me having favor, Because you know what that type of Christianity is producing? It's producing a self-loathing in the body of Christ, which creates a self-pity of that through the body of Christ. We have 11 of you come to church every Sunday, but you feel alone. You feel like you don't fit in. You compare yourself to everybody, which steals your authenticity. And inside of that, when we're not walking in the fullness of our authenticity because we compare ourselves to everybody because we think the antithesis of Christianity is having things. 
we find ourselves in an independent state. And I said it like this to the men. I'll, I'll give you a kind of an example of what I did. We're in such a place of self-loathing and self-pity. We come into the house of love. And as we come into the house of love, we come into the house driving here going, nobody called me. Nobody texted me. Nobody hugged me. Nobody shook my hand. But when you have a self-loathing, independent spirit and self-pity, you sit in the back corner. You're the last one in the building. You're the first one out. You claim you want loved, but Proverbs says, show yourself friendly. And so with the men, I, I, I did it like this. I'm like, if you feel this way on the inside, you feel like you're not a part, you feel like you don't belong. I said, then walk up because you're saying nobody sees you. And it's this simple. Proximity fixes everything. Okay, Johnny won't talk to me. Johnny ain't talked to me in weeks. I want to have a relationship with Johnny, but I won't get proximate with Johnny. I want Johnny to make the first move. Even in the scripture text, the Bible says you must seek God and God will then find you. You go after him because in all reality, he's already coming after you. He's not running from you. He's actually running to you. God will never run away from anybody in this room. So when the seeking starts on your side, it actually means, stand up, Johnny, because this, this is our Christianity that we have. We want God to chase after us, which he is. But until you turn and seek him, there's no connection. We continue to run away from God and God keeps running to us and our self-loathing, self-pity goes, God, where are you? And then when we start saying, God, where are you? We start asking God's people, where are you? The question is, are you running away from or running towards? Are you running away from or are you running away towards? Because with proximity fixing everything, if in my heart all I talk about is I want to talk to Johnny, I want to spend time with Johnny, I want to go fishing with Johnny, I want to go to prayer meeting with Johnny, I want to go to revival with Johnny, I want to go look at football cards with Johnny, I want to hang out with Johnny, then you know what I need to do? I need to get proximal to Johnny. You know how proximal I need to get? Johnny. <laughs> Do you see me, Johnny? Yes. Johnny, do you see me? Yes. Johnny, why are you running from me? You're killing my illustration, Johnny. I need you to stay put, Johnny. Johnny starts backing away. Obviously, Johnny don't want to have a relationship. Johnny doesn't sit at home going, I wish Coach Lovejoy would call me. I wish he'd go fishing with me. This is not honest. This is not Johnny's heart issue. Okay? Johnny's going, I wish you'd give me some space. But what's crazy is this is a good picture of a generation that understands that they're beloved. Johnny doesn't worry about where he stands with me. Johnny knows that Coach Lovejoy is going to show up to practice. Johnny knows if Johnny don't show up to practice, I'm going to say, hey, Johnny, where you been? True or not true, Johnny? He said, yeah. Go ahead and sit down. I'm freaking you out. But it's crazy how in the Christian world... We have this self-loathing, self-pity 
that we so want relationship with one another, but we're not willing to get into the place of proximity because we're not willing to get into the place of love because love will always have vulnerability to it. That when Jesus came from heaven to earth, he was willing to pour himself out to such a degree. He was willing to empty everything that he was out. And we miss the concepts of that God so loved the world. Abba so loved us that he gave his son. There was an emptying of self. There was an emptying of self. If you find yourself in a degree of not fitting in, not feeling apart, then I would empty myself out and I would begin to serve somewhere with not the entitlement of notice me because I'm serving, but I'm going to serve to make everything and everybody else better. When Jesus came, he didn't come and give his life so that he could be noticed. He came and gave his life so that he could empty himself out so he could make everybody better around him. And we have to come out of this independence that I come to church to get mine. If I'm getting mine, then what I'm getting is going to make everybody else better around me. If I'm truly getting something from the kingdom of God, it's not just going to affect me. It's going to affect everybody that I love. An absence of the heart is always on us, but it's on us receiving and then emptying. It's on us receiving love and then giving that love back. I don't like to use the word empty, but that's what it means. I should fill myself up with so much love from Abba that I can't contain myself that I received love from Abba. I have to then give it to somebody else. I have to make somebody else's world better than mine. I have to give everything. That's why when you see people that have millions of dollars, they're some of the most generous people on the planet. And then you get people who get millions of dollars, don't know how to walk in generosity, and they waste it all on themselves. Why do they do that? Because there's something on the inside that's empty rather than being filled up and learn how to empty out and be filled up again and empty out and be filled up again and empty out. What fills you up? Love fills you up. Jesus said before he ascends to heaven to his disciples, I want you guys to love each other the way me and the Father love each other. I want you to be one. This is the biggest struggle. You know why? Because we're all diverse. We're all different. So we have to find a common ground. And here's what we keep doing. We keep finding false common ground. Sports, clothes, athletics, cars, motorcycles, golf, creativity, art. The four living creatures are all diverse. We have to find a common love and that common love first has to be God. That second common love, once you find the love of God, you have to realize that he loves you. You find somebody else that knows that he loves them and then the common ground doesn't have to be we agree on everything because we start being patient and kind with one another. We start seeing people with the same love that God sees for them. We start being patient. We start being patient with real people, which is the game changer for everything. Because when you're patient, guess what you rule out? Unrealistic expectations. It's crazy how Jeremiah 29, 11 says that God does not have an evil thought towards you. 
His thoughts are peaceful. For with those peaceful thoughts come an expected future and a hope. Do you know what it does not come with? Frustration of an unrealistic future and a hope that when things don't go the way that you want them to go, we then think an evil thought towards someone else. Guys, understand this. This will change everything. When you allow yourself to be immersed in love and then you begin to give that same love back, it changes everything. You know what'll happen? You won't yell in your house anymore. We'll talk to our children a little bit differently. We'll look at our coworkers different than we've ever looked at them in our lifetime. And we'll stop standing on the soapbox of justification without hope. You know what justification without hope is? It's when somebody, watch, where there is no hope, there is no change and there's no transformation. So watch, you ready for me to give you the justification without hope, what it looks like? Stand up, sissy. You guys ready for this? I'm going to slap her. (laughs) My God, you see that look? If I hit my daughter, is she justified that it hurt? That it wasn't right? Answer me. Yes. Yes. And if she goes around and tells the world, he hit me, he slapped me, I didn't deserve it, it'll make her stand up and go, stand up, that's right. Stand up, that's right. Stand up, that's right. Jesus didn't die so that you could just be justified. I need some amens. Because when love becomes present, hope becomes present. Because what happens is, if all she does is stand up on the, on the soapbox of justification that he hit me, come here, Johnny. Then she'll go through it again with Johnny. And then she'll go through it again with Nate. And then she'll go through it again... Without righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost and a hope for a better tomorrow, we'll continue to do a Groundhog's Day of going through it again and again and again and again. Is she hurt? Yes. Was it wrong? Yes. But where does the love and the hope and the grace and the mercy and the transformation how should she deal with it? Should she tell the go ahead and sit down, everybody's sissy? Should she tell the world she's hurt? Should she tell the world she's been abused? Should she tell the world yes? But when do you come face to face with the abuse, the hurt, the justification, and look at it and say, I love you? Is this not justification? He didn't stand off the soapbox after they nailed his hands and they pierced his side and they mocked him and they bruised him. He looked at him and said, you don't know what you're doing. I forgive you. 
Why? Because hurt people hurt people and the cycle won't stop just because you're justifying the pain. The pain only stops when love comes in to the pain and says, you don't know what you're doing. This isn't what a relationship should look like. This isn't what any of it should look like. It should look like perfect love. Sit down. The only way we're going to find perfect love is when you allow yourself to be perfected in love and you realize through the pain, through the persecution, through the screw up, through the mess up, because the love of Jesus didn't say they screwed up and you never screwed up. You start to realize I've screwed up too. And if somebody loved me, then somebody's got to love them. Social media has turned into nothing but a justification soapbox of dysfunction that's led to no forgiveness. You know what happens when there's no forgiveness? People quit. They commit suicide. They get divorced. They give up on their future. They quit their job. They give up on their families. They walk away from their children. And you know what most people that quit have coming out of their mouth? Justification. You don't know what they did to me. But there was one that stood on Golgotha's hill that says, you don't know what they did to me. They did not. He said it. You don't know what you're doing. But I forgive you and I love you anyway. Do you know what that steps in? That steps in for a Paul who's a murderer who then gets sent to Rome who crucified Jesus that he could come with the message of hope because the same way that they murdered Jesus, Paul murdered Christians. That's why God sent Paul. He sent somebody who did the same thing that they did. So you need to pray Paul into somebody's story. Come on, because you're... Complaining, you're venting, you're gossiping, your justification, your Facebook post is not going to rid the world of darkness. It's not. It's going to get a bunch of people who's been through the same pain that they can all stand up and say, we've been there too. We've been there too. That's not what the blood of Jesus was about. The blood of Jesus was that all sin was covered. Why are we forgetting that? Because we preach an independent gospel that makes about your lonely self and nobody else. My love should be impacting somebody else. Why am I preaching this message with such fervency? Because on Tuesday, I sat in this plaza in that front of the thing and I sat and called person after person after person after person doing what? Putting love into the story. Putting love into the narrative. Putting love. We're not going to justify anything. Is there pain? Yes. Is there wrongdoing? Yes. But we need unity in the body of Christ. We need unity in the community. We need a love for one another that, listen, even though we mess up, righteous man falls seven times but he's got to get back up and I'm telling you sometimes it's just a whisper from Yahweh but the whisper from Yahweh will come to your self-pity your self-loathing your independent absent spirit and come and 
Paul will have a Barnabas come into his story. When, listen, nobody else wanted to walk with the murderer. God sends a Barnabas to your story to encourage you, not bring justification, but bring encouragement and hope to make you forget all of your past so that you can write two-thirds of the New Testament that the love encounter that you had, Paul, is now going to affect many. And Paul never stood on a soapbox of justification. He stood on the soapbox of hope for the better tomorrow. Because you know what we can't have? What we're having all across the board right now. Everybody give up on church. Put, Put Corinthians up. Paul wrote this. Paul was an educated murderer. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. So we've been reading this for several weeks. Now let's look at the writer. Let's look at the writer. Let's look at the writer. Should have he not quit? Should have he not given up? Have you ever, listen, you see it across the board. A lot of times, watch, a lot of times when somebody goes to war and they murder another individual, the PTSD in their heart, in their mind, they can't handle it, so they kill themselves. When a family member murders another family member, they cannot handle the pressure of what they did, even if there's justification to the murder. You abused her. You did this to him. You did this. This is why I stepped into murder. I killed men in defense for my country. That's justification, isn't it? Isn't it justification? But it still destroys the heart and the mind of a man. And it's only the love of God that can begin to come in and deal with such pain and turmoil and hurt. That anytime there's wounds in the fractured heart, if the love of God does not come in, that was shed abroad, the Bible says, for all. For all. We got to get back to the cross of Calvary and quit justifying that they're wrong and I'm right. Jesus said, I shed my blood for all mankind. We got to get back to the blood of Jesus that covers a multitude of sin. Because with that, we're going to continue to see sons and daughters like common jars of clay that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow of the power will be seen as God's and not ours. Though we experience every kind of pressure. Can you imagine what Paul's writing? He's now following a God has an encounter with Jesus. And he's asking people to follow his Savior. And people are constantly going to this guy. Didn't you used to murder us? See, in today's Facebook world, there would have been a lot of families. Come on, come on. There would have been a ton of families that could have justified, don't go to Paul's church. Stay away from Paul's church. Don't you know what Paul did to believers in the beginning days of his quote-unquote ministry? Don't you know what Paul did? Paul killed us. He manipulated us with his words because he was smart and he was the Pharisee of Pharisees. And then when we weren't looking, he would kill our families. Don't follow Paul. But perfect love came in. Perfect love. 
captured Paul's heart and said, Paul, the way you're doing things, you can't do them like that anymore. And so Paul went into city after city where he murdered and he murdered and he murdered and he went back down his blood trail. We need the real gospel again. If we did, Facebook would not look the way it looks. We need people to have an encounter with love. Because with the encounter of love, we would have no intent. And I'm speaking to myself. I'm not on a soapbox going, I'm right and you're wrong. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying I've handled stuff wrong. But I also learned from Trenton, who's my oldest son, to Buggy, who's my youngest son, that I don't do things the same way that I did. And so I'm learning. I'm learning from how I handled Joey Mitchell and Mike Manichi in the early days of being a spiritual son to how I handle the McDoles and the Bollingers. But in some people's justification of the gospel, nobody's allowed to change. Nobody's allowed to grow up. Nobody's allowed to learn. Nobody's allowed to transform. And that's what the gospel is. That the gospel is a transforming gospel. The problem is you haven't allowed love to come in and perfect your wounds in your heart. And so since you haven't changed, you don't believe anybody else is going to change. I'm preaching tonight. This is the church of America at large. This is the church of America at large. We do not believe in the transforming gospel of the beloved identity of Jesus Christ that once you were made new in creation of the blood of Jesus, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And we have believers that have treasures inside of them quitting because we can't look at somebody anymore. And so you got to forgive them. You're going to have to forgive them. You can tell you a Holy Spirit said a thousand things, but the one thing Holy Spirit is going to say, you forgive them? Because I did. 2,000 years ago, when the son spent his blood, my spirit was released like never before. And what we used to have to murder animals to get the repentant of sin... When Jesus shed his blood, Holy Spirit's going to lead you to that every time. Forgive, 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 forgive. And because we've lost the forgiveness of the gospel, anytime we experience any kind of pressure and we get crushed and we get pushed down, what happens? We want to quit. But why are you here? Why are you here? Because somebody's going to have to show somebody how to not quit. And some of, you in the, some of you in this room aren't dealing with unforgiveness, but you're dealing with pressure. And what's trying to come out of you is not pain. What's trying to come out of you is the anointing. What's trying to come out of you is the spirit of the living God. That listen, come hell or high water, I'm not giving up on God. I'm not giving up on the transformation of people. Somebody's going to have to walk in the love and light of Jesus Christ. Somebody's going to have to stand their ground and say, I'm not giving up on the cross. I'm not giving up on the blood. I'm not giving up on the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. I'm not giving up. 
And when you find those kind of people that love so big that you can make the biggest mistakes of your life, you stick by them. Because you may look like coal today, but through your pressure, you're going to come out shining. We're in this room, not because we haven't went through anything. We're in this room because we've stayed the course. We're in this room to get what? Perfect? No, I'm in here, Justin, to get baptized. I'm walking back and forth. More, Lord. More what? More favor? More blessing? No, I want immersed in your love. Why? Because I'm going to get around somebody who wants to quit, who wants to give up, who wants to give up on the marriage, who wants to give up on their kids, who wants to give up on their business, who wants to give up on their dreams. Do I point them to their dreams? No, I point them to the dream maker. I point them to the one that whispers in their ear, I love you, Paul. And when you can't hear Paul, he'll send Barnabas. I need Northgate to walk in the encouragement of Barnabas. You have been crushed. You have wanted to quit, but something inside of you, it is the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that is inside of you that quickens your mortal body. You have the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead on the inside of you, and we are giving it to our kids without the fear message of hell, and you keep screwing it up. They are going to be people that raise up and say, I'll never quit. we're teaching the kids to never give up on God and watch watch people are watching this right now or they're going to listen to this and say I haven't given up on God but you gave up on his people because you can't be like a Pharisee and scribe and stick to your club Jesus died for all Let me say this again. He died for all. He died for all. And when you only want a hand select of justification people that you want to run with, you've now checked in as a Pharisee and a scribe. And guess what? Love's going to come confront your justification, you Pharisee, and you scribe all the time. Are you calling people Pharisees and scribes? No, I'm saying Jesus said, beware of the leaven of Herod and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware of a political, religious spirit that makes it all about you and your four and no more. Verse nine, we are persecuted. We're persecuted. Paul's preaching here. They're gonna talk about you. Look at me, they're going to talk about you. Some of them have your same last name. Because that spirit of the Pharisee, the Sadducee, or the Pharisee, if I can get you to bend, that's what religion is. I just want to get you to bend. If I can get you a little bit to bend your false narrative of love, if I can take your true, pure lens of love, and that's what a lens is, it just bends. If I can just get it to bend a little bit, if I can get you to bend the gospel a little bit, if I can get you to bend the message a little bit, we need some people to see through love again instead of seeing through hurt. That's unforgiveness. Bend it. Bend it. Bend it just a little bit. 
bend it just a little bit, then we can't see people the way Christ sees them. How do you know if you're walking in a fullness? I've always said it like this. If you know somebody's walking in a fullness, they have no issue with authority. Here's my next piece to know you're walking in the fullness. You wish failure on nobody. Let me say this again. You wish failure on no one. And if you have a small leaven of you wish they would fail or you wish they would fall off the horse or you wish they would, that's not Holy Spirit. Because Jeremiah 29 11 told me that he doesn't have one evil thought towards us. I'm going to mess with you. He doesn't have an evil thought towards a murderer. He doesn't have an evil thought towards a predator. He doesn't have an evil thought towards a Muslim. He doesn't evil have an evil thought towards a homosexual. He doesn't have an evil... What, why, then why are you preaching this message so hard? Because I want the hate to stop. I want to see unity in the community. I want to see Jesus' prayer answered, that we love each other the way he loves the Father. I want to see a love revolution that does not go off like a bottle rocket and end within a month. I want to see the gates of Zion begin to transform the entire earth again. Do you know why? Do you know why I think we deal with such manipulation of the heart? Because I believe that when Lucifer fell, this is my belief, I believe when Lucifer fell, it wasn't when he had a conversation with God. I believe it's when he gave an apple to Eve. That's when God said, enough with you, buddy. Because his issue was, I'm going to play God. Because what apple did he give Eve? What apple did he give her? What fruit did he give her? The knowledge of the tree of good and evil. And what was his deception? He knew, he, he knew that he could not see. Eve was new to this thing. Lucifer had been around for a while. He knew he couldn't trump God. He knew he couldn't defeat God. That's religious deception that God and the devil are equal. So us teaching you, he thought he could overthrow God. That rascal knows to this day he can't overthrow God. That's why when he goes into the throne and he asks for Peter and he asks for Moses, I guarantee when he goes into the throne, I guarantee when Lucifer goes in, he ain't bucking up like your teenager. He ain't bucking up like some lawless knucklehead. He's not going in there strutting his stuff like, no, 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 sir, no, sir. No, no, no. He knows if he acts up, I'll make hell now. How do I know that? Because when Jesus shows up and demons go, oh, oh, is it our time? Is it our time? Is it our? They all know. Bad, bad Leroy Brown. They know. They know. But the deception is he created something new. You've only been walking with him for two days. Oh, man, you guys better hear me. That's why when division happens in this place, it doesn't go after the 30 years. It goes after the new one. Or if they can find one ounce of immaturity in you. What's immaturity in you? Hairline fracture of the heart. I read my Bible, I pray. The enemy comes looking for vulnerability of what you've spoke your frustration about. About who? People. He always comes after your immature parts. Where are you still immature that I can get you there? 
So the fall of Lucifer was when he goes into the garden. Why? Because he was jealous of Adam and Eve's relationship. He was the older brother in the story the whole time. Oh my God, I'm gonna run. I'm gonna run. He was the prodigal's older brother the whole time. You just got here and you get everything on the earth. You just got here and you get to make a sound that I was born to make. You just got here. I know how to dupe you. I'll make your walk with God all about you and him and not the garden and not your husband. Eve, I'll make you stare at yourself. Welcome to self-loathing and self-pity. Welcome to self-loathing and self-pity. You're in a room full of people in a garden called Streetsboro and all you can think about is you. I came to preach tonight. This will end American Christianity right now. When you get so baptized in love, when Lucifer shows up, you look at that snake and go, I love you too. And then when your husband comes over, you say, I love you too. And when Abba comes over, I love you too. You've never heard a preacher say, Eve should have looked at the snake and said, hey, thank you for your information, but Abba loves me. His jealousy of Adam and Eve. And do you know why he keeps messing with our unity? Because the Bible clearly says that when he opened his mouth, it was like an orchestra. Jesus promised us that we were created to show praise. And my sound don't sound like an orchestra without Talani. And Talani don't sound like an orchestra without John. And John don't sound like an orchestra without Adam. So if I can keep you all divided... Guess what his greatest manipulation was the one third of the heaven. It was that we were going to, they, they knew they weren't going to take over. They knew they couldn't take over. He convinced one third of heaven that God didn't love them anymore. And he's doing the same thing to us. That's why the redemptive message is God loves you no matter what. And he still shows up for the walk. And guess what tree he tries to feed us? The knowledge of good and evil, what's right and wrong for your life. And we keep eating from that tree. And then when we eat from that tree, we go, nobody loves me. Nobody wants me to fit in. And so what do you do? Serve, honor, empty yourself off. If you get any, listen, if you get any kind of love, any kind of affirmation, give it back. Yes. Give it back. Make the world a better place. Make everybody around you better. Quit making it all about you and figure out how, and listen, listen, and don't get your affirmation from serving because then when God takes servanthood from you, you'll be like, nobody loves me again. Your first affirmation comes from you getting alone with God, you spending time on the walk with Abba and Abba holding your hand and then Abba goes, there's Barnabas, there's Adam, there's Mike, there's Joey, there's Nate. And guess what you start doing? Seeking friendship. Proverbs says, show yourself friendly. And then, well, guess what happened? When persecution comes and you get knocked down, you don't feel forsaken. You don't feel left out. Verse 10, we continually share in the death of Jesus in our own bodies so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. God's love and resurrection life should be proven how I live every day. Where's racism come from? They're taught it. 
put white, black, Asian, Hispanic babies in a room two years old, they'll crawl all over each other. Give me about a seven-year-old. White, black, hate each other. Why does the church hate each other? Because we're taught it. We're taught that the Baptists ain't no good. But if we do understand the security of salvation through the Baptists and the Baptists would understand the empowerment of the Holy Ghost, we'd have a healthy church. But they can't stand that we speak in tongues and Pentecostals can't stand that they believe that your salvation is eternally secure. So we just keep on dividing us. We just keep on dividing us. And we keep getting jealous of each other. Lucifer's biggest trap, division and jealousy. And then everything that you need in joint supply to a body, Paul said, is found in a brother and a sister. And when you feel like you can't get out of bed, what you should do is join yourself to somebody that's out of bed, not somebody who's justifying laying in bed too. Find somebody breathing a different air than you. Get around a Barnabas or become a Barnabas. Why? Because this thing is about a body, not a person. Oh, gosh. We made Christianity about people one-on-one. You're a number. How many times you got saved? My gosh, in denomination, I probably got saved 45 times. I have padded some preacher's stats. If Apostle Damon was keeping count, I've probably given him a baker's dozen. I've been saved under Damon Thompson Ministries probably about 13 times. <laughs> but if we think we got to keep getting saved over and over again, we're going to never learn how to learn to grow in relationship. Because every time we do something wrong, God's mad at me. He's not showing up for the walk today. And I didn't read my Bible, so he's not showing up for the walk today. And I spent my money wrong, so he's not showing up for the walk today. And they hurt me, and I can't change, so you can't change either. And we justify it through a religious spirit. Because all they were taught was freedom to prison, freedom to prison, freedom to prison. Go to my next scripture text for me. You guys enjoying this tonight? Love is the revolution. Look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us. He called us. You notice it is not saying me. Anybody notice that when I first started reading? Look at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he's lavished on us. When I get an us, I love how Apostle said, me first, you first, us first. The way the kingdom actually works is an us, a you, and then a me. Because the kingdom's inside out and upside down. So when that prophecy got released, it was released to all of us. It should penetrate me so I can then give it to you. The new us is coming, which means the new you is coming, which means the new me is here. So look at the wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us. He has called us and made us his very own beloved children. That's all of us. So guess who doesn't make the sweet by and by? Those that won't receive that they're loved. And I'll just tell you what I think. 
under an inferior covenant. He dies on the cross, rips the veil, goes down to hell, saves everybody. He's not going to do that again. I'm messing with your theology. Because what religion would say, don't you say that. Then they'll live however they want. If you continue to live in sin, Paul said, you'll find trouble here and your hell will be here. Is there not a lake of fire? There's absolutely a lake of fire. It was made for demons and devils. Can we hit a lake of fire? Yes, we can hit a lake of fire. You have no stance on hell. I 100% have a stance on hell. But my stance isn't trying to get people out of hell. My stance is to get people to love God. I'm not going to spend my life studying hell. I'm going to spend my life studying lavished love. Because guess what? You live here now. You live here now. You live on this earth now. And if all I do is make you think about hell, you'll be scared to death. But you want to know what penetrates the heart? When somebody's living in sin and you don't talk about sin, you tell them right there in their filthy rags that his righteousness is about to replace their filthy rags and Jesus died so that you could be free and you're warring on the inside. But he lavished love. He lavished love on a traitor's heart. He lavished love on the broken heart. He lavished love. And it's love that will bring you out of today's hell that you'll never burn for eternity. Here's my stance on hell. Get loved. I was told, you're going to burn. You're going to burn. Don't turn. You're going to burn. Never changed. Now, when I come in here and I start walking and I go, where I don't have love, fill it. Where I don't have love, fill it. Lavish it on me. Because if I get love, that's my medicine to treat her better. If I get love, that's my medicine to treat her better. If I get love, that's my medicine to treat them better. If I get Abba's love, and then once you start recognizing Abba's love, all false love will run. Once you get Abba's love, you start recognizing the fake stuff that won't walk through hell and high water with you. Y'all tracking with me? He called us. Man, listen to this. If you've got turmoil on the inside of you right now on the live stream or in this room, he called us and made us his very own beloved children no matter what. He's not a different father than my dad. He's not a different father than my dad. My dad is an amazing dad and loves me through hell and high water. And the Bible tells me that Abba's love is even better than his. And there's not one father in this room that you'd throw your kids away for anything. So why would your heavenly father do it? So the answer for sin across the globe is you look them in the eyes and the love that I have, I empty it out and I go, he loves you. I've been there with many of you when you were doing wrong and you knew it. The Nazarite days, I'd come in like a bull. Now, over the last three, four years, he loves you. And we're going to get through this no matter how long it takes. We're going to get through this. You wrecked your bike, James. It's O. Oh. 
okay, we're going to get up and ride again. We're going to get up and ride again till you can ride. We're going to keep going till you can ride. We're going to keep going till you can ride. Buddy, we're going to keep going till you can walk. Aren't you thankful that there was somebody in your backstory when you were little that when you fell on your face, when you learned how to walk, they picked you up and said, go again. Come on, two more steps to mommy. Two more steps to, come on, you that have young ones in here. Uh, We did the bike thing last time, but let's go back to when you saw your child take their first steps and what delight rose up inside of you. When you saw your grandchildren take their first steps, what delight rised up inside of you. When you see your children worship for the first time and pray for the first time and seek the love of God for the, how many firsts make you light up? And our Father in heaven is the same way. The reason the world doesn't recognize who we are is that they didn't recognize real love. I wish he would have put love there and not him. Because once you recognize his love, it's game over. It's game over. Anything's possible now. It's game over. It's game over. Go to verse two. Beloved, we are God's children right now. We are God's children right now. We are God's, I love it, the murderer, the beloved, martyred, ripped apart, John beloved, Isle of Patmos. I'm beloved right now. I'm beloved right now, right now, right now, right now. How could John, how could Paul walk around? I'm loved. How could Peter walk around? I'm loved. He loves. I denied him to a 14-year-old girl and he still loves me. I watched him get beat up and jumped and I didn't step in being one of the baddest disciples he had, one of the most masculine men that followed Jesus. I cut a man's ear off before, but when they hit him with the cat of nine tails, I cowered, I cowered, I cowered and he still loved me. I was still his. I was still his. I was still his. And the war comes to an end when you let love come in and recalibrate the Rubik's Cube that you think can't be put together. But the Rubik's Cube always can be put together when you find the rhythm of it. In the hands of somebody that don't understand the pace and the ribbon of the Rubik's Cube can never put it together. But anybody that knows the access point of the, your life is like in a Rubik's Cube. And when you access love, it can't be stopped. So you only put your hands in the hands of love. Because when that happens, it just makes sense. You put a Rubik's Cube in my hand, I ain't never found out that rhythm or that pattern. But you, listen, my, my, my niece had a boyfriend named Kenny. I could mess up that Rubik's Cube as much as I wanted to, and I'd be like, put that back together. And he'd, about three, four turns, as soon as he found the pattern, it was like that. Listen to me, it's like that. That's what God's love will do to your life. You put your hands in, in somebody that has a false love for you, and they'll mess it all up. You thought it was love, because it's a game, remember? It's a child's game. But it's not a child's game. It's actually for those that understand patterns. You get you in your hand, you get your body in, in the hands of fake love, and it'll come dysfunction. You put you in your, your you put your hands and you put your body inside of hands of real love, and it all comes together quickly. 
Beloved, we are God's children right now. However, it is not yet apparent what we will yet become. We're treasures in Corinthians. In 1 John, he's like, listen, you're loved. Don't worry about what you're going to become because it's happening. You're a treasure and the fullness is coming. When does the fullness begin to start to happen? When you start realizing that you're God's child now. Now. Not when the money's in. Not when the business is jamming. Not when the marriage is perfect. Right now. Right now. In the midst of any addiction, any perversion, any brokenness, any shame, any guilt, any fear. Your Abba's now. Get in the hands of perfect love. It is not apparent what we will become, but we do know that when it is finally made visible, we will be just like love. For we will see love as love truly is. Go to verse three. And all who focus their hope on love, love is patience and kindness. Love is not justification. Love is not justification. Those who focus their hope on him will always be purifying themselves just as Jesus is pure. Go to my next scripture text and we're going to land the plane. Philippians 2.1. Look at how much encouragement you found in your relationship with Abba. You are filled to overflowing with his comforting love. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit. Watch. I'm being loved and I now have friendship. And I felt love's tender affection and mercy. Watch what comes out of relationship with love and friendship with Holy Spirit. Watch. Go to verse 2. So I'm asking you, my friends, guess what? He has an encounter with love and has an encounter with Holy Spirit. You know what his next thing is? I got to go tell somebody. He can't keep it to himself. This independent gospel that is all about me is not the real gospel. It's infectious love. It's infectious love. It's infectious love. It can't be just about me. It becomes about me. Me first, you first, us. Us, you, me. I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love. Walk together in one harmonious purpose and you will fill Abba's heart with unbounded joy. And all who focus their hope on love will always be purifying themselves just as Yeshua is pure. Go to verse three. Be free from pride-filled opinions, justification, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but on authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourself. Abandon every display of selfishness Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interest. Stop right there. Go back right there. I'm telling you 100% of the sign. 
100% of the time, when you live in justification of your wounds and don't walk in love, your own interests will become unrealistic expectations on other people and you'll be disappointed all the time and live in self-loathing and self-pity. Consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. Verse six, Jesus existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant and he became human. Watch this. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man. He chose for the world to see him. What happens when we start seeing each other? I see you. I see you. I saw you tonight, Bridget. I saw you. What happens when you allow yourself to be seen? If you don't let love come in and deal with your war, you'll justify your war all the time because you were hurt. It really happened. But it'll continue to happen. Over and over and over again till you let love come in and you let people see you. Jesus came and allowed people to see him as a man. Being 100% God. You know what he allowed? People to see love. When do you let people see you so they can love you? And guess what? Don't put justification to it. Well, that means I'm going to be me. There's no opinion. There's no pride attached to it. Do you know what it really is? Come here, Mike Lindenen. This is what it means to be seen. Hey, buddy. Love you. No agenda. Watch. No agenda. Hey, what's up, buddy? You want to go get a bite to eat? Watch. God put you in my life. Hey, buddy. You want to go up to the church and pray? Hey, love came in the room Wednesday night. Prophet Mike gets up here and he goes, hey, let's take this love to Walmart. Watch, no unrealistic expectation. Nobody knew what was going to happen and miracles broke out in the streets for Walmart. The only way we can operate out of self-loathing and a self-pity mindset of trying to belong to something that, what did I just read to you in 1 John? You've been a part of this the whole time. I used to say it like this back in the day. Hey, man, you ain't got a lot of kick it. You're already here. You don't have to impress anybody. You're here. Can we get rid of the competition? Can we get rid of the, if you want, you know what I told the men the other night? If you go and say, I said, if you want something, go get it. I want this. I told most of the men, I said, some of you want to be my best friend. But if you really got around me outside of this, you may not like me. Because you want to know the truth? There's no off switch. I'm this hyper. 
Am I not, Mary Ellen? You worked with me for eight years. If I'm here and here in the office with people, I will walk back and forth. I'll do more steps than a construction worker on a job site in this small building. Because I can't sit still. And you think you're good. Listen, if I don't rabbit trail 500 times in a sermon, I'll, five, I'll rabbit trail 500 times in a conversation with you. You want my undivided attention and you're probably not going to get it. Because I have ADD, HD, HD, flippity Z. I don't know. I think fast. My mind is running 100 miles an hour all the time. We could be talking about X and then I'm going to jump over to B. And then when you start talking about B, I'm going to talk over you and talk about E and then talk about F while I'm talking about E. She's married to me. She said, pray for her. And what you thought you wanted in a friendship with me, you actually would have found in the Clendenins. You actually would have found in the Lazaders. He humbled himself, became vulnerable, chose to be seen as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God exalted himself and multiplied his greatness. You know how he didn't become great? Sitting on the couch complaining about what he doesn't have. He chose that cross. He went and got it. Paul then tells us for you to pick up your cross and follow Jesus daily. Because of that obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. He has now been given the greatest name of all names. You've been looking for connectability and promotion, and you thought it would be found in connecting yourself to the right people rather than emptying yourself out to the people God gave you. You'll pass up who's right in front of you. And Paul tried to teach us how to walk like this at Philippians. Paul said, you pick up your cross daily and follow. And we took that as, don't cuss. Don't watch rated R movies. Pick up your cross. The greatest explanation of the cross, I believe, was in the last two verses. He allowed himself to be seen. And he emptied himself out. For who? Us. 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 Healthy relationships. Watch, you ready for this? This is going to sting. Take a deep breath. It's a little shot. It's just going to pinch. Be over in a second. And then what the nurse tells you? You're just going to feel a quick stick. It's just going to be like a bee sting. Okay, you ready? Watch. Why do we struggle with self-pity, self-loathing? I don't belong here. Because leaders will get up and empty themselves out. And I want to look at you in the face because I love you and say, do you have my phone number? Do you know where I live? How many times have you walked past me in here and you put an unrealistic expectation that I should have a prophetic gift to call you? 
I empty myself out here. She empties herself out here. They empty themselves out here. What are you bringing to the table? If God called me out of here tomorrow, is this the end of the North Gate? Or are we supposed to be a family no matter what? Does this mean I'm going anywhere? It's not. It means we're all called to lead in the love of God. Which means if I'm not here to call a prayer meeting, you are. If I'm not here to call we listen, I'm not going to be here forever. Does that mean you're going to another church? No. I may go to heaven one day. And if I do, who's going to put a log on the fire for Wyatt? And what we can't do to Curtis is say, well, Curtis, you build the fire for the Biltz family. If the Biltz family represents one log, will that fire burn hotter with the Biltz, the Yeltons, the Mitchells, the Thompsons, the McCoons, the Luckies? Which fire burns hotter, Bridget? One log or many logs? So when you don't make this house a priority, you're leaving one log to burn for those kids. And women of God, if you make the husband be the only burning agent in the house, then that's one log for the whole family. Men, if you make her be the burning agent, that's one log for the whole house. And we're not going to heat the farmhouse very good if it's just one log, are we, Curtis? The greatest fire burns for multiple logs. So for us to get past, watch, us, let's get past this. I'm intimidating. No, I'm not. I'm truthful. It intimidates your status quo of independence. Because you're not called to run the race of the gospel by yourself. You're called to run it with a body. And we make everything about Paul's road to Damascus, but that was the road to the encounter that led him to be a voice for the family. After Paul's encounter, he didn't run a one-man show. He connected to a Barnabas because Barnabas was the only one that would hang out with him. And then those two men went and they, they evangelized half of East Asia together. And then to the point, watch, they talked about this down at youth camp. Paul wants to go to another side of Asia. Barnabas doesn't want to go. And there's a man that screws, I forget who it was, but there's a man that screws up in the family. He comes back and he reconciles. John Luke, John Mark. John Mark screws up. He, he screws up in the family, in the Bible. He gets excommunicated from the family because of what he does. He comes back, repents, makes things right. Paul doesn't want to run with him because of who. And Barnabas goes, when nobody wanted to run with you, Paul, I did. Barnabas wasn't going to sit and justify, yeah, he may have hurt you, Paul. But you had a past too, buddy. And when nobody wanted to run with you, that's why we have to stay in encouragement. Because on the days that you don't feel like running, you better connect yourself to a Barnabas. And most importantly, all of us should operate like Barnabas. Put me up uh, John 4, please. And go all the way to verse, just start clicking T-bone for me. 
9, 10, 11, 12, 13, slowed down, 16. I think it's 18, go 18. Yep. Love never brings fear. For fear is always related to punishment. Do you know the Greek word, watch, for hate? But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Okay? Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Go back to verse 17. By living in God, love has been brought to its fullest expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because of what Jesus now is. So are we in this world. Go to the, Once we start walking in his love, love never brings fear. For fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Go to 19. Our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated to us. So watch. Anyone can say, I love God but yet have hatred. Watch, hate's a strong word, right? Everybody look here. Hate's a strong word, right? The Greek meaning there should have been better translated frustrated. Because everybody will take this scripture text and say, I don't hate you, but you're frustrated. There's a war on the inside of you that leaves you unsettled. Watch when I translate this. Anyone says, I love God, yet has frustration towards another believer. This makes him a phony because if you don't love a brother or a sister whom you can see, how can you truly love God whom you can't see? Why am I saying this? We are baptized in America in fear. You know why? Because when frustration comes, all this stuff that we read earlier, we run away than run towards. Come on, man. Let's just get real in the room. Somebody's mad at you. It's awkwardness. What do you do? What do you do? All of creation is standing on tip of toes waiting for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. Who are the sons and daughters of God? Those that are led by the Spirit. Spirit is not going to justify your hurt. Spirit's going to lead you to reconciliation, to forgiveness, to love. All of creation stands on its tippy toes waiting for what? Sons and daughters to say, I love you. Because look, if I can tell you I love you and I see you, how much more real does that make Abba's love? Watch, if I know what's going on in your world, look at me. Don't act like I don't know what's going on. I know who's living with who, who's sleeping with who, who's talked about who, who's... How do you know all that? You see in your worship. It's hard to worship pure love when you don't think you're loved. And when you don't think you're loved, you're trying to find love in wrong places. When if you'll put your life, 
you're a Rubik's cube in the hands of real love than what you were trying to force. Come on. Some of you took the sticker of the one color off. Everybody going, that's so true. You know what's crazy? We try to do that to God. We treat that in marriage, in relationships, in struggles, in fear, in doubt. We so want to give up and manipulate things. And God's like, there's a pattern. There's a pattern I have. And it starts with your life being placed in the hands of love. And then I'll be the author and finisher of your faith. And then we take a look at a life like Bridget's that is so amazing. And you've lived so long. And when you sing, all my life you've been faithful. I don't, I look across that room, Bridget, and I don't see failure. I see what Abba sees. An amazing, strong leader, a woman, a mother, a grandmother, a provider. And you start singing, life comes out of the living waters. You're singing, all my life you've been faithful. And the enemy keeps going, but Bridget, you made mistakes. And your spirit's going, all my life you've been faithful. You know why? Because he's the author and finisher. You're still here, Bridget. He's not done. And I saw us get into that pocket of singing, all my life I've been faithful. And I looked at Mariel and I began to see the tears run down your face. How? I start thinking, Tig. I start thinking Coleman's legs. I've been thinking about Coleman's legs this whole service. This whole service, I've been thinking about his legs. This whole service, I've been thinking about his legs. Abba, I join Mary Ellen's prayers over a little boy's legs. All my life, you've been faithful. All my life, you've been so good. But I've seen, could Mary Ellen justify the bad? She could. But all my life. Then I saw the tears when Prophet Mike began to minister to Mike Trular and talk about Joe and talk about your home. All my life, you've been faithful. All my life. And then Mama comes up to get prayed for for healing. All my life. Why would... Why would this woman come up in front of everybody? I need healing because somewhere in her story, the healer showed up. What what are we doing? What are we doing? We're showing a kid, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Watch. Then we're showing James over here, don't quit. Ishmael would love to come tell you, Justin McCoon, how much you've screwed up as a dad, as a business owner, all these things. And then your son stands over here in proof of all my life you've been faithful. How old is he? Five years old, all he knows is my daddy don't quit. And Abba's been faithful. Apostle Aaron prayed for 20 years. What's James going to see at 25? Can you imagine what Apostle Aaron's kids saw this past weekend at camp? 
Coulter, how old are you? Or eight? Eight years old. What does he hold the keys of at 28? When dad told him we're going to raise some hogs, we're going to raise a cow, and then when you get money, buddy, kids would want iPhones, kids would want tablets. Look at the Spirit of God hitting that boy. But a real father goes, we're, gonna, we're buying one of these hogs. You put me down. I want the ribs. I want the roast. You know why? Because I want to pay double for whatever the hog is to invest in his ranch. Look at that. And then the enemy this week get me on a phone call and people to try to tell me we're intimidated of you, we're fearful of you. It's because you won't allow me to change. You still think I'm the man from the gym. Coulter Biltz don't even remember the man from the gym and he'll, he'll never know the man from the gym. Coulter Biltz don't even remember. I'm telling you right now, Curtis, there's things when he was little and your temper got the best of you, he won't even remember you've become such a tender father. You know what I'm talking about, Jesse. He's not the same man that you even married in the Marine Corps. Don't tell me the gospel don't transform people. Amen. Let's, put, let's put Corinthians up one more time. Let's put Corinthians up one more time. As Coulter has this precious encounter with the love of God. Just keep praying over your son, Curtis. Everything was a part of the story, Curtis. All those days you went and prayed on that big farm on 303. I'm so glad that I'm bringing back to remembrance. When prophecy comes, I'm just saying it in this narrative. 50% of it comes from a man. The other 50% comes from God. And the part that comes from a man came from a man's heart. And it was encouragement. Who's in this room? We are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within us so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's and not ours. Coulter Biltz will walk in a power. Coleman will walk in a power that will not be seen as his own. I'm telling you, there's a healing ministry on that boy. Come on, Northgate. Send love to Kansas City right now. I pray tomorrow. Coulter and Coleman tell mommy and daddy about dreams they've had. Yeah. Yeah. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we are not crushed. At times, we don't even know what to do. But quitting, quitting is not an option. Quitting is not an option. 
I feel led to tell some people in this house, next April, the Northgate's going to Africa. Who's going with us? I know Cookie's going. Trent and I ain't told you yet, but you're going. Johnny, you going? You know that's where you're supposed to be. Common jars of clay, but inside you is a treasure. Carrie can't go to Africa without Nika. Paul can't go without Barnabas. Barnabas can't go without Paul. I'm telling you, I feel it in this room. Quitting is not an option. Quitting is not an option. Quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others. Quitting is not an option. You're going to sit on that council, Joe. Quitting is not an option. God put a Barnabas in your wife in your life. This is your city, Joe Yanish. Malia. This is your city. At one point in your life, Joe Giannis, you'll sit on the city council. And Malia, you'll sit on the board of education. The Giannisians will say what is allowed and not allowed in this city. Man, man. Quitting is not an option. Quitting is not an option. Leah, you're supposed to write a song out of what you're, that's what you begin to hear today. It's not her singing, it's her writing. You're supposed to write a song about the dark night of the soul, but it's not about the dark night of the soul. It's about you being baptized in beloved identity. Because quitting's not an option. Quitting's not an option. Quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but we'll never be knocked out. Go to verse 10, people. We continually share in the death of Jesus in our own bodies so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed throughout our humanity. Your life matters. And who you're connected to, their life matters too. Their life matters too. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Northgate. If you would like to donate to this ministry, 
please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.